Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yeah. Hey there. I am Cheryl Jorgensen Sheets, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and I just logged in and found out that my guest has a flat tire. So she says she's under a very loud fire duct and she can't call into the show. So what is a person supposed to do? Well, I'll tell you right now. I'm going to turn off my air conditioner because it's pretty loud. And I am going to do the show by myself tonight. And you know what? That's what it's all about. This is my show. And I got lots of stuff that we can talk about. I actually feel very fortunate to be with you tonight. And it may be shorter than normal, but hey, this show is for sex addicts and partners. Because one of the things that I really want to help sex addicts to do is to help their partners heal. And that in and of itself can be very difficult. I mean, truly, how do you do that? How do you help your partner to heal? Well, I got to tell you, one of the best ways to do that is to develop empathy. And empathy is what it's all about. There is no doubt about it that when you develop empathy, wow, you help her to understand that you are seeing her pain. And uh, one of the things that I know is that when you do that, Even if it initially brings up pain, hey, it's the antidote for addiction. When you show empathy and connection, you are clearing up 
the fracturing that has occurred in your relationship one step at a time. Now, I'm here to tell you, if you're an addict, you can form a strong connection by consistently reminding her that you know that you have caused her this pain. And that's important. You've got to be able to let her know that. And one of the best ways to recommit to the relationship is to learn empathy. And we don't know. We don't know if one of the reasons you became a sex addict is because you didn't understand empathy, so you didn't possess empathy, and you couldn't show empathy, or if you did actually have empathy, but your addiction, unfortunately, your addiction took that away from you. You know, we all know that addiction is a really strong and powerful force. It's self-absorbing, it's self-centered, and it's selfish. And you can't have those three qualities. You can't be selfish, self-absorbed, and self-centered and have empathy. And so, for some of you, Some of the addicts that may be listening to the show, you may not know that empathy is about being able to put yourself in her shoes so that you recognize, boy, the immeasurable pain and that you know that you've caused it. And now the truth of the matter is there's no way you could possibly understand the level of pain that she's experienced. But when you see it, you name it, you claim it, you say, I caused it, she feels like you're connected to her in a new and different way. Now, here's what I know about you guys and women. There are plenty of women sex addicts, but I'm going to talk to the guys. What I know is that you see that pain every second, every minute, every hour of the day. Your normal tendency is to walk away, to hide from it, to ignore it, and to act as if it's not there because you don't want to bring out more pain. But that actually creates more painful moments for your partner. And even if it um, creates negative dialogue, even if She gets really frustrated with you. The truth of the matter is she wants to know more than anything two things. So remember this. One of the things that she wants to know is that you know that you caused this pain, this catastrophic, insurmountable pain. She wants to know that you get it. You caused it. And then the second thing she wants to know is the truth. She wants to know what the hell happened. How did this happen? When did it happen? Who did it happen with? Now, I say that, and what I do know is that not every woman needs to know the details or even the truth. But 98% of them do. So you're probably erring in a positive direction if you say, 
and say to her, you know, I just need to know what you need to know. And then I'm willing to do that formal therapeutic disclosure to help you to learn the truth. But I want you to do that in a safe and contained way. And when you do, you're much more likely to create a safety net for her that gives her a sense of he's starting over, he's on the right page. All right. So I'm wondering, are you willing to undertake the goal of empathy? Do you want to increase intimacy? Do you want to restore the relationship and bring it back into a state of health and well-being? Or better yet, do you want to make it better? Because what I believe after working with thousands of addicts in recovery is that, yes, they absolutely do want to do that. They want to make things better. So let's talk about this for a minute. Boy, I am glad I have my coffee tonight. It's a lot easier interviewing guests because I learn all sorts of new things and I don't have to talk so much. And I'll tell you, my day is such that I work from eight to five and see individuals, couples, sex addicts, and partners. And then from five to about 6.45, I run a group for sex addicts. Then I come home, usually eat some lunch meat, hang out with my puppy, Boo, My husband's working out, although tonight he's out of town. And at about quarter to nine, I come up here and get everything ready for the show. But I made some coffee tonight in preparation for a long day and a long night. And so I'm supercharged and drinking it. Please just excuse my gulping as we start to talk about your addiction. Now, I know that you hopefully have access to those 10 tools that I talk about. You know, you know that the first five have to do with meetings. I don't care what group you're a part of. Sexaholics Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous, Every Man's Battle, Brave Heart, um, You know, it matters not because they're all good programs. I'm going to reference a 12-step program because that's probably the one that's the oldest in terms of sex addiction. And what I know to be true is that, you know, I was talking to a guy tonight and he said, I go to 90 meetings in 90 days because I got this bad. I talked to a recovering alcoholic who's been slipping, and he says, I go to 90 meetings in 90 days because I've got to get a hold of my alcoholism if I'm going to get a hold of my sexual addiction. And he swears that his alcoholism is by far tougher than a sex addiction. Now, what I know is it's different um, strokes for different folks in that 
I'll talk to somebody who says, the hardest thing I've ever given up is cigarettes. But our training tells us that sexual addiction is the most difficult addiction to monitor and manage for the rest of your life. So you need to be able to understand it. You need to know what sex addiction is all about. You need to get out of your cycle of shame and learn the neurobiological, psychological impact of sex addiction. So I would encourage you while you're reading the book that best fosters the meeting that you're going to, like let's say it's Sex Addicts Anonymous, SAA, then I want you to go ahead and, and read that green book, but I also want you to read another book on sex addiction. Now, my guys that I work with told me I'm wrong. And I always listen to what they have to say. The guys I work with say, Carol, you need to be telling them, telling us, telling sex addicts to read recovery materials for sure on sex addiction, but also start reading relational books. And there are two schools of thought about relational books. One is that... The relational book that you need to read needs to have to do with partner betrayal because it better develops empathy, and that's what the goal is here. Oh, and there are so many good books. Your Sexually Addicted Spouse by Barbara Stephens and Marsha Meads. Fabulous book. Intimate Deceptions by Sherry Kepper. Dr. Sherry. Um, of course, my book, Help, Period, Her, Period, Heal, that empathy workbook for sex addicts to help their partners heal. I mean, there's just a million of them out there. So take a look, Google it, and, and look and see which one you think you need to look at most. Okay, so in understanding your addiction, you need to know that sexual addiction is a process addiction and it manifests itself behaviorally. Unfortunately, the Internet made your sexual desires and sexual acting out accessible, affordable, and anonymous. We call it the three A's. Again, that's accessible, affordable, and anonymous. And before you knew it, you developed these compulsive behaviors that were both pleasurable and uncontrollable. And like with any high, after that newness wore off and the dopamine war took off, your conscience likely took over and told you consistently that you had to stop. And yet what I know from my work with addicts is that you were unable to stop despite the fact that you promised yourself over and over again that you would. I mean, I know so many guys that they would go see a prostitute. It was never the high they really wanted. They're in bed having sex, being pleasured, and they're saying, I hate this. I got to stop. This is sick. They walk out of the apartment or whatever, and they go, that's it. 
this is the last time. I'm not doing this again. And then before they knew it, whether it was 20 minutes later, two hours later, or two days later, they absolutely had that compulsion that they had to go back and find somebody new or visit a site they had been on before. That's the sickness behind the compulsion. And these addicts are not happy at all. So I know that you really wanted to quit for a very long time. And you can't do it alone. Dr. Carnes says you need a committee, and that's why the first five recovery tools are go to meetings, get a mentor or a sponsor, and if you can't find somebody that absolutely fits, get yourself a temporary. Read the book within your program. Do the work, whether it's exercises or the 12-step work. And last but not least, create a fellowship where you not only get, you not only call and say, man, I need help. I'm craving, please. Somebody call me. I'm a mess. But you also find time to give back. And you, you pick that one guy that looked so forlorn in his first meeting and you call him and you say, Tom, how you doing? You didn't look well. I'm thinking of you, dude. Um, Give me a text back. You see, when you work on those relational skills within your fellowship, you're beginning to develop empathy. And what you do inside of that group, you will also manifest in your relationship. Now, as my book indicates, it's also very important important to assess, you know, hey, What do I want to do for my relationship? Am I willing? Now, that's a good question. You know, are you willing? Are you willing to do what it takes to to repair this relationship? When I was young and when, when teenage boys seemed captivated by the attention of female girls. If they were too smitten, if they did what she wanted, they were called names. And with relationship recovery, with sex addiction, with partner betrayal, you have to be willing to let her Initially make most of the calls. Initially decide what she needs. And you need to be a part of making that happen for her. Because you have to right the wrongs. And, you know, the bottom line is it's impossible to right the wrong. But you can at least do what it takes to show her that you really are interested in rebuilding the relationship. So I'm going to ask you to take a personal inventory and decide, am I willing to do what it takes? 
Now, are you getting this? Because if you don't have my book, Help Her Heal, this comes straight out of the book. These are the things that you need to examine. I'll tell you, this book has been amazing because not only does it help addicts to develop empathy, but I'm using it in my couple's work. And I'm having the addict and the wife read it together and come up with the list together. It opens up communication. It develops closeness and empathy and some conflict. I'm not going to tell you it doesn't. But if the intent is to make up for the issues that have occurred, then it's absolutely okay for some conflict to occur because then what I know to be true is if you're moving in the right direction, conflict actually brings intimacy. It breeds intimacy and brings closeness. So are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to give her all your passcodes? Are you willing to give her all your email addresses? Are you willing to put a GPS on your car? Are you willing to take snapshots at the drop of a dime, letting her know where you're at? I know you could create this list, and in actuality, I ask you to do that, to create 25 things you're willing to do to make this right. And because this is such a tough subject, oftentimes it requires that you ask your wife, hey, honey, what would you need for me to make you feel safe? Because ultimately, in dealing with partner betrayal, it is up to you to begin to make her feel safe again. You have rocked her world and you've taken away her safety, and she needs to know how to get that back. And the one way she can do that is if you are willing to do what it takes so that she feels like she's getting the truth. Okay. Does that make sense? I hope so. Now, the next thing that I absolutely know to be true, you know, we talked about the three A's. Um, The reason that this occurred, the reason you have the addiction, you might have had some pre-genetics in your own life that made you prone to addiction. You may have had a father, a mother, um, a grandparent who was a sex addict. I'll tell you something that I have never, ever, ever shared on the show. I, I never even felt the need to share it. But I understood that my mother's mother was a sex addict. They didn't call her that. But she had so many affairs that my grandfather kicked her out. You know, he basically said, get the hell out of here. I no longer want this relationship Of course, back in the, gosh, I don't even know what that would have been, probably the late 30s for my mother. She's dead now. Um, But my mother's mother left her, never to return. And my mother was seven. And that was a lot of loss for my mother. There was a lot of betrayal for my mom, a lot of betrayal for her father. And... You know, back then, sex was not necessarily anonymous, affordable, and accessible. 
Now, you and I both know that men have historically said it's really easy for men to act out. It's in their genes. It's, it's in their DNA. Uh, they weren't meant to be monogamous. And yet we live in a monogamous society, and I truly believe it's monogamy that creates that sacred space for you to really feel loved, needed, depended upon. Um, And that's by far what intimacy is all about. So now I'm going to give you five more A's. Because when you're developing empathy, I I want you to actually memorize five areas so that you can ask yourself this on a daily basis. The first A stands for awareness. Am I aware that I might be able to use empathy here? Are you? I mean, that means when she's screaming at you and she's saying, you ruined my life. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I hate you. You can say, okay, now how can I use empathy here? And believe it or not, that might look like starting out with a sentence that says, um, I can understand that there's no worse betrayal than what I've done to you. Or I can sense that you're devastated and I caused that. So you show an awareness and then you go for acceptance. Am I willing to do what I need to do for my partner and am I willing to be vulnerable so that I can practice empathy? And then you take accountability and you say, how can I take full responsibility and find ways to convey that I want to make her feel safe. All right, so we got awareness, we got acceptance, we got accountability, and then you have to use acknowledgement. What can I say that lets her know that I'm fully aware of the damage that I've caused, that this is because of me, and she wouldn't be feeling this if it weren't for my actions. I have caused collateral damage. And lastly, what am I going to do to assure her that I've changed and that she can trust me? Well, that action plan might look like I'm going to work an incredibly diligent recovery program. Or it might look like, you know, I am not going to do some of the things I did that were innocent because now she doubts that they're innocent. I'm not going to go out with the guys and play cards right now. You know, another therapist who was not a certified sexual addictions therapist or a partner trauma therapist might say, you go ahead, you go play cards, you have a right to your own life. She's got to get strong. She's got to understand that you've got your own life. 
Well, I'm telling you initially, in the first year, you've got to do whatever she needs to feel safe because you're working on your wife's trauma. And that in and of itself is your full-time job. So are you willing to do those five A's? Are you willing to show awareness that there might be some empathy use here? Acceptance that you can be vulnerable. Accountability that you'll take full responsibility for her pain. Acknowledgement that you will acknowledge that you caused the collateral damage and action, that you'll do what it takes to make things better. You're not going to have to do them forever, but you're probably going to have to do them for one, two, or three years because this kind of grief takes three to five years to recover from. That's what trauma is all about. And in the meantime, you're learning how to be a better person. You're learning how to show good eye contact. And to have soft facial expressions, even when she tears you down. You're willing to say, I'm not going to initiate anything, but if you need something from me, if you need a hug, if you want me to hold you, I'll be happy to do that. I'll talk in a soft voice because what we know about traumatized partners is that their brain does not filter communication as well, and they need soft voices, and they need slow speech. And then again, that touching with permission. You know, I was doing a partner um, betrayal recovery show. I do that on Thursdays at 2 o'clock on Blog Talk, and it is. It's called Betrayal Recovery Radio. And the first show, I was so excited I was jazzed. I was hyped. And I was talking really fast. And I was just like going, I'm so happy to be with you. And I, I want you to know I'm here for you. And I just, I went on with my exuberant self. And I got this Facebook comment that I really took to heart. You know, I'm real good at criticism. Somebody give me some criticism. I look at it as positive. I make the changes. And I let the rest roll off. Because I don't know what I don't know. But I did know this. I know that traumatized partners need a soft, quiet voice. But I was into my own zone, and I was ramping it up. So I have always made a mental note of that and really tried to make that a better situation. All right. Now, I know that I gave you a lot of information I want you to know that this book also teaches you how to have Teflon, how to contain her anger, how to know that her anger is about the past, not the present or the future, that if you're in good recovery, all you can keep doing is proving that to her by doing it a day at a time. And I want you to know that couples that follow this formula, couples that work on empathy, Addicts who do the next right thing over and over and over again make incredible changes in their relationship. And let's face it, if you can begin to make her feel safe and closeness begins to occur, it'll make you feel better about you. 
Helping will heal will build your self-esteem. That's what I believe. That's why I wrote the book. So if you want more information, you can contact me at Carol at carolthecoach.com. And hopefully we'll have Dr. Crystal Holland back, back on the show. That's kind of a weird thing. Dr. Holland back, back on the show. Um, and from time to time, I'm going to be giving you information about this book, how to develop empathy, how to right the wrongs, how to communicate better. And I really would ask you to do it together. I mean, it's something you need to do. And I love it if you read through it once by yourself. But then the two of you can really figure out how to navigate this trauma dance as well as how to navigate the restoration dance and be the best that you can be. So I'm Carol the Coach, a.k.a. Carol Jurgensen Sheets, and I thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll give you more Sex Help with Carol the Coach next week. But in the meantime, there's only going to be one of you, whether you're an addict or a partner. There'll only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly, have the courage to be yourself and make it a great day. <laughs>